listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I am here with Greg Webster, stealing him from Recalibration Matrix. Welcome back, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me, dude. Well, I am so excited for us to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is this we're gonna have the plucky attitude episode because man, this faction is cool as fuck. Agreed. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I just I'm I'm itching to get more games with them as I was kind of stumbling at first when we just got the first couple of releases. I'm like, just not enough characters yet. But now that we've gotten the rest, this is this is turning out to be a really, really interesting and well-designed affiliation. Yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, it's kind of funny because the the first three releases, for those that don't know, were Star-Lord and then Rocket and Groot. And so I was stuck with just those three and and America was right because we didn't get any of them for two, two and a half months. Um, but those three are in most of my guardians lists now (laughs) because I, um, just through trial and error, I decided they're amazing. Um, and like, I am all in on Groot right now with, uh, with black order being popular. Like, I think he's amazing and I'm just, I'm loving those three, but yeah, now that we have what we got seven. Yeah. There's seven guardians. With an eighth yep. on the way once we get um, Angela. And like, the power gem is sort of an eighth. The power eight. gem. Yeah. Yeah. The power gem is basically a guardian of the galaxy. Pretty much. But yeah, I was in the same boat. I did get Gamora and Nebula basically on time. I was I think I was only a week behind on those from what the original schedule was. So I got lucky there. But I've also ended up with feeling like they're like kind of the least impactful of the guardians releases but mm-hmm. well we got to talk about star lord a bit right like obviously i did a winging it episode but that was like primarily like i have not tried this at all this is just initial thoughts but his leadership is still pretty significant and my stance on it has stayed mostly the same which is being able to turn any tactics card into cost zero and hand out three tokens that each give you, you know, a two dice reroll is pretty solid. Like, it's not the best leadership, but it's it's quite good. How have your games with Guardians been going, like, with that leadership? Has it felt good for you or felt meh? Like, what are your thoughts? The cost is really high. Like, giving up on your tactics cards is, it feels like this humongous, burdensome cost. But the more I play the leadership, the better I think it is. Um, uh, I will say, at first, I was kind of thinking, because you get three tokens, you kind of want characters with more than two attacks. So, like, I was going with Valkyrie. Um, I tried it with Modok. Yep. Uh, in order to get, like, as much as you can. Um, I tried it with Vision uh, for the beam attack. And really, like, those are fine, but I think even if you just use it on two attacks and then you have one sitting on the character for like a defense roll, I think it's still really good. Um, you got to be careful about what card you use, right? Uh, so you you are kind of using your tactics cards and like reading the field, trying to make sure you don't use like if you know, if I have Rocket and Groot, I'm probably not going to get rid of Brace for Impact or Deadly Duo until I, you know, I know I'm not going to use them. So you got it. You got to play it, and it's it can be a little tricky. But you know, even if you use it 
twice in a game, I think it has these really big swingy turns. And um, especially when you're using it on like a big attacker, it can really just lock in like, okay, Modok is definitely going to get maximum attacks this turn because I'm winging it. And I, I, I think it's yeah. good. I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's been a few different things that I've noticed playing it. One, it makes me think that Guardians may be the best team for playing into Hammers because I found every other team, when you start playing Hammers and you've got some Hammers on your characters, suddenly the math for using your cards gets a little bit rough. And you're like, oh, I need this boost right now, but I can't actually play this card because I wanted to use drop off. But one of the characters has a hammer and only has one power and it, it like throws your math off. But a lot of times guardians just don't care. And they're just like, well, I'm just going to dump the card for rerolls and it costs me zero. It still costs me zero. And so that was something that I found like playing into hammers as guardians just always felt smooth. The hammers one, like just being like, yeah, it's fine. I'm not going to bother paying any playing any cards. Um, <laughs> the the one that gives me problems with hammers is a crew. The Milano kind of feels like I'm not going to play it as much in hammers. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's fine though. I'm just going to use crew the Milano for a winging it. You know, <laughs> it's fine. It's it's totally good. And that's another really fun thing about it, right? You are never going to have a dead card. So, um, you know, if you take Deadly Duo and, like, Rocket gets dazed and you're pretty sure you're not going to get it next turn, ditch it and, you know, try to get a good attack with, you know, someone else. Yeah, I, I think got that... no shortage of great attackers. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, on that note, I think Guardians are also one of the best teams for, like, taking outside affiliation characters because crew of the Milano is the only reason to stick to your affiliation. And I don't even think it's that great. Yeah. It's got an occasional matchup where it's going to be great, but that's going to be kind of few and far between. Yeah. And, And it's, it is extremely easy to build a cheap, like pick three cheaper guardians or, I mean, hell with, with Ronin, potentially being four or five like we don't like guardians doesn't have a huge cost so you can easily build a cheap three person guardians team and then add in two beat sticks that are bigger uh and then like there's no disadvantage you're not gonna lose out on playing a good affiliation card on them um and so you can bring things like uh ebony maw and if that's what you want to take you can take Ultron yeah. with Age of Ultron. You can take Venom with Lethal Protector. And you are you don't have to worry about that, the card dying, right? You're always going to be able to use these cards. Um, you could even, and I'm not saying you should, right? But you could even bring four like character-specific cards and not have to worry about using two of them in most of your lists because you could always ditch that for winging it, right? Like... You you don't need to stress as much about your tactics card choices. You can be a little bit more flexible with how you build your team because of that. Yep. One other thing that I noticed was on the defensive side, I had been practicing Asgard with doing tricks like Hella moves up to round like round one, turn one, takes an extract from my opponent's side of the board, and Star Lord with the gem would immediately inspiring monologue her to be like, She's got your token. And she's super high defense 
and she has rerolls. And I realized at a certain point, I was like, you know, I could do this in Guardians and it wouldn't cost me three power. Because to a certain <laughs> extent, using winging it to give the three tokens, mm-hmm. like you, you get almost the same effect. Because like you would have to have someone attack her more than three times and have to have a time where you needed you need every single roll to need the rerolls. Yeah. And so, uh, like, a vast majority of the time, three re-rolls with two dice getting re-rolled is probably enough. And just to go, well, this went from Inspiring Monologue cost me three power to Winging It cost me zero, which, like, lightens the load for the whole team. And so there is some cool defensive uses for it, too. I think that the, the offensive are obviously pretty obvious, mm-hmm. but I think the the ability to protect a character... Like, even if you want to pass turn one, you're be like, well, I'm still going to winging it and just give Thor three tokens and be like, if you want to daze him, go for it. Yeah, no, but, it's, it's it's really nice. Like and it and it just gives um, it just gives Star Lord and the rest of the team that much more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Power versatility, like towards yeah. how they choose to use their power. Yep. And I mean, just as kind of a a closing note, I think a big reason why a lot of players will think about cards like, say, Doomed Prophecy is because we've all been in that situation where you're like, I am going to lose this game if I do not daze character X. Like either I have to get them off the crisis or I need them to drop the extract. So a lot of time I think people are looking for an offensive card to throw in like you know, I think Doom Prophecy is a great example. Something to like kind of help you in that extreme situation where like I have to daze this character to stay in the game. But the nice thing is you can just take whatever cards you want with Guardians and you can always dump a card for an offensive boost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's that's been really impactful, especially in like the low threat games, like 15 threat. Man, when you've got a you've got something where you've got like star Lord and rocket is a pretty normal starting place for a 15 threat team. Either of those characters with rerolls can just light people up, especially when they're only like a three threat target. Like they'll knock them off the board real fast. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So all in all, like I'm really liking it. I, I think they're going to end up being a really overall impactful affiliation. So I'm, I'm excited to see where, where things go in the long run. And we get to do the, the part two episode at some point going like, this is the full depth of guardians, but this one, we're going to cover the basics. So I think we've kind of covered, like, I think a lot of the key aspects of winging it, uh, you feel ready to talk about affiliated characters. I think we do need to talk a little bit more about star Lord himself, just because like, I think full auto is maybe one of the best attacks, one of the best energy attacks. Um, one of the better spenders in the game, I would I would agree. I think he's he's in conversation for just having a really solid spender that can drop. Uh, I have had attack rolls where I actually got three or four wilds. I think it was incredible. on Captain America where I was like, uh, here, why don't you just be shocked, bleeding and stunned and... Uh, I forget what's the fourth one. It's shock, slow. bleed, stun, and slow. Yeah, I yeah, think I it's, act- it's an element gun that he has, so yeah. it's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I but think yeah, he was no. on Captain America, and I just hit him. And I'm like, here, just have all four, I guess. Yeah, and I I really like the idea of like a Guardians team that's 
about throwing down special effects and winning the like winning the um like just messing up your opponent's power management and then you being like well i've got six characters now that are going to be able to out resource you let's play yeah i think they they definitely bring a lot of interesting interaction with um with the different status effects and i wonder if there will at some point be a status effect team Mm. But I, I don't know for sure, but it just it does feel like there could especially be the possibility. I mean, when you have a team that's like looking for wilds for status effects, but has access to rerolls like it's. That's kind of a natural synergy. Yeah, I mean, I I would argue that Guardians might be it because we got Star-Lord, Groot, Nebula and Drax are pretty good status effect uh, appliers. Yeah, and Ronan with Judgment as well. Oh, like, yeah, Judgment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, and Ronan can shock too. Like, he has shock. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, oh his uh, the universal weapon. If it right, if it does damage, it shocks. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh my god. Okay, that's right because it's just damage. It shocks. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something you need a while, but you need a damage. Yeah. I it's... mean, I just I, I think it's it, it the team it the teams kind of leans towards that, and I like it a lot. Well, and that's not even mentioning that Cree Justice can stun and stagger someone. <laughs> yep. That's so, right. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can go pretty heavy. And that would, like, if I were going to do that team, I'm probably tossing in Proxima, right? Because I want to, I want to. Oh, yeah. I no, want to Prox- starburst someone. Yeah, I, uh, I think Proxima and Corvus are a good choice for the team. Yep. All right, well, before we jump into the unaffiliated, obviously, Star-Lord is the key character. He's the leader. Um, I don't really, I mean, I think he's such, he's such a good value at three that I don't think there's a lot of reason to try to play guardians without him. No, never. Um, he's a flyer. So giving access to a really cheap drop off character is really good. He's just got a solid energy weapon and that can caught like that really helps a lot of the Asgardians cause they actually end up being kind of weak in the, um, the energy damage department. So Star-Lord helps complement that, too. So if you want to bring in Asgardians, he's just naturally, like, helps round out their weaknesses. Um, and having six stamina on his healthy side, like, he's just he's just a really solid budget. Not budget. He's just... He just serves that three threat value well. Like, he feels like he's, like, 3.25 threat or something. Like, he's just a little above the curve. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, absolutely. He's he's a really good three. He's he's good enough that I think he's worth it to take as your three cost energy attacker out of affiliation. Like I think he's great yeah. in Cabal. I think he's an okay um like Wakanda if you need a second person to like go flank and grab an objective. No, he's great. Yeah, and with plucky attitude, he almost always gets one success. And so he ends up being slightly more durable than he kind of looks like it's almost kind of like he has invulnerability because he almost always reduces damage by one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's pretty solid. I like him a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, All let's right. talk about other key affiliated characters. Who would you say is like be past Star Lord? Who is the next most important? We got to go with Ronan, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Ronan. He he has 
he is this defining character in a lot of ways. Um, so first of all, he has judgment, which is an, a special effect that allows you to stop an enemy from gaining power from an, from your own attacks. Uh, I think the superpower is really solid. It's I'm still not convinced it's better than stun, but it's basically like it's an just pay two to apply stun would still be great, right? So yeah. <laughs> judgment is good. Like it's it's good. And um and I think that by itself would be like cool, but then you've got the fact that he has really good attacks, right? His strike also has a throw, incredible. His universal weapon is push, uh and wild push, and then it shocks. So right away his first two attacks that are free are really good at moving people off of objectives. His Cree Justice attack is eight dice. Stagger and stun with the potential to wild explode. It's it's incredible. He's a very good attacker. Um, he's kind of tanky because he has four defense on energy and mystic. Uh, and then if you daze or KO him, he gets to walk up and try to hit you. And that's incredible. I think that's so cool. So there's Not... another aspect of Ronan that just came up in my last game that mm-hmm. there was a point where they were going for the days on Ronan and they had a throw and he was at one health mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I can throw you into this lamppost and then you'll just auto days. And I was like, we, we were talking through all of the possibilities. And I was like, I do want you to realize if you throw me into the lamppost and daze me, I will create, I will use my like the accuser, accuser and I'm going to walk back into that spot. And now you will not have a landing zone next to the meteor. Mm-hmm. And they were like, nice shit. I'm like, I will still get dazed, but I just want you to know, I'm going to walk right back into the spot you just threw me from. And now you're not going to be able to interact with the objective. Cause there's no spot for you to land within one. And he was like, I have to throw you away and not daze you. <laughs> it's such a great situation, right? Yeah. And it's just li- those little things. Um, and like Ronan is a media or he's a 50 millimeter base and he's got media move, which means he is also a character that can make bold moves for um, extracts. Like he turn one can go after like an enemy civilian if you're playing evacuation or a cube that's on your opponent's side of the board. He can make really bold plays. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of an all round like awesome character. Yeah, he 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 can function as a tank. He's very aggressive and good at attacking. Uh, he can spend his power to just judgment um enemy characters to mess with the at- like mess with your opponent's power economy I, he's really good um it's worth saying ronin and star lord can take the power gem which means they're gaining three power at the beginning uh, in the power up step so um what do you think of that do you think it's worth to taking the power gem with one of them all the time or do you think it's more about building your list i have found most of the time, I prefer the list where I'm not running the power gem, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of time when I'm building a team that I'm like, oh, well, if they bump it up to um, 20 points or something like I like my 19 threat team with those exact list of characters. So I'm just actually going to probably insert the power gem on one of them. And then it also comes up, I think, at 18 threat as well. Again, it's kind of like, uh, I don't really I just. I don't want to shuffle things around too much. I like the exact characters I have, so I think I'll probably squeeze in the power gem. So I think it's more about at certain point levels, it's really nice. Um, 
And it also can just be solid for if you're playing meteors. Anytime you have characters that are going to start with two power so that they can pick up an extract or interact with an extract and interact with the secure um, is potentially very good on that crisis. Um, But I don't think it's ever something where I'm like, they need it. Both of those characters feel like they're perfectly happy to take it if the points work out, but they don't need it. Okay. Has that been your... So I I haven't got enough Ronin games in to speak authoritatively about it. But I will say I basically use it to pad my lists if they're one short and give it to Star-Lord. And he's very happy being able to full auto every turn. Yeah. Um, and it also kind of makes Star-Lord feel like a battery to like pay for those expenses. Like, like he can heal with patch-up, because he's always got the power to do it. Um, so I have felt like Star-Lord sometimes will be will have more. Like, if Star-Lord has nine power, he can't use the nine power without a tactic card. <laughs> so I have felt like he kind of acts like a battery for the team. Um, and so I, I was going to say, right, like you mentioned using inspiring monologue, using patch up, um, what's the car, the, the advanced R and D, um, I tried him out with advanced R and D and I thought that was actually really cool. Just moving some power around to the rest of the team. Yep. I also, I like, um, just the, if you have the power gem on him, I like that it immediately gives him the ability to use drop off turn one and still have a power for interacting with like picking up a extract. There's just some little smooth math there. Um, where that's one of the biggest problems because often I do like star Lord picking up extracts, say like a hammer or something Mm -hmm. that he, he's one of the characters that loves having a hammer. But if I want to drop off Shuri turn one, I end up in this awkward spot where Star-Lord can't pick up an extract and drop someone off necessarily. And so it um, it gets a little bit weird, but the power gem can certainly help fix those situations. Totally. No, I like that. That makes sense. So I'm going to say, like, if there's one character I think is in the conversation for most import, like most significant affiliated character, I think it's got to be Drax, like him coming in at three threat makes I think a lot of my core teams either start Star Lord Drax or start Star Lord Ronin or they end up being Star Lord Drax Ronin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Where it's a kind of a magical math formula where Drax is a really great contrast to Star-Lord in that he's hyper-durable with an invulnerability-style power. He's got all the physical attacks to kind of complement the energy attacks that Star-Lord has. He's got a throw. Um, I just, in general, I think Drax is going to be a kind of a staple of Guardians. Is that how you've been feeling about the Destroyer? I feel like he's he's definitely... He's definitely going to be in a lot of teams. However, I think he's got he's got a he's got range deficiency, basically, which like, yeah, you you need to have him for the role that he's good for. He's he definitely cannot fill the ranged role. Yeah, just the fact that he's a medium move and all his attacks are range two, and he doesn't have like any movement shenanigans is unfortunate. Uh, it has made me kind of look more at using a uh, drop off with him, uh, especially because I like bringing more flyers into this team. Yeah. So I, I do think Drax is a really good drop off target so that 
so that Drax can like get up there and then make two more attacks on his turn. Yep, I can totally see that. And I like um, when Drax moves up towards the center of a board, say like on meteors or something like that, and you've got this like invulnerable character sitting in the middle. And then you've got when you have characters like Star-Lord and Ronan supporting him, handing out shock and stuff, Drax just gets mm-hmm. stupid hard to deal with when you're like, well, I want to attack him, but now my best character for attacking him is actually shocked. Yeah. And possibly stunned by Star-Lord 2 and Ronan pushing them away from him or him throwing them away. Like, you can just end up in these awkward spots where Drax is kind of difficult to target. And do you want to use walk, like, walk up, use one attack on him, give him vengeance? Yeah. The answer Uh, to that is no, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's I I, I really like I mean, there's a slew of Guardians I want to talk about, but I do think. I, I, if I were to make a statement right now, I think the core of a lot of teams will start off like Star-Lord, Ronan, Drax. And that's the those are going to be kind of the, the big boys of Guardians. That is that is not a bad start. I'll tell you what uh, I, however, like Groot more than Drax in a lot of the matchups I've been in. I um, do think Groot is a sleeper that is only getting better and better. I Jay and I have both talked about this where in our Groot episode, we we almost felt like we were trying to, like, make excuses for Groot and be like, this is how you might be able to get his his three points worth. Groot's a fucking boss. Um, Yes. And and I think this is one of those cards that, like, you got to play with Groot to see. But um, your opponents won't want to try to daze Groot. They don't want (laughs) to attack him. Because they don't want to give him the power to use I am Groot. So a lot of times what people do is they just run away. They they just ignore Groot. They won't attack him. And so he gets to Groot enemies. Or if he takes a little bit of damage, he just heals himself. Um, and so like I feel like Groot is this really cool character in, in a lot of the... Um, I will say, like for me, I choose Drax or Groot based on the scenario so if if i'm definitely like gonna be in the middle of the board like if i'm playing gamma shelters or um or the 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 kree power core one where it's like in the center of the board and you know most of the enemies are going to be there i will pick drax but if it's spread out i'll pick groot because i can literally just send groot to one side of the board and a lot of times the opponent will just ignore him and let him score a point and like trundle around. And <laughs> and then in the late game, Groot is full of power. He's rooting anybody within three. So that's almost like a third of the board. And he's he's just he is so tanky and he is so good. And I will say they both suffer that problem of like their range two on everything and they're they're not. But like Groot is so survivable, um, I think he, I think he's incredible. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things with Groot that are not immediately apparent. Like, take for example, like Captain America hates being rooted, right? When suddenly he was like, okay, well I'll spend one to you know one to shield guard and then two to vibranium shield, and then you're like, actually it's going to cost five, and it's like, ugh. So. <laughs> I've been I've been bringing Groot more and more against Black Order. Um, every single oh. member of the Black Order cannot 
risk being rooted. <laughs> like, Thanos hates being rooted. They all do. They but Corvus and Corvus and Proxima usually cannot use husband and wife if they have to pay for it. It's ridiculous. Um Ebony Maw is the only one that doesn't really care, but the good thing about that is he's way less likely to be able to just go all out on you if he has to pay four for tel- for his throw and three for his defense attack. Like, Ebony Maul has to sit on six power usually to make sure he isn't dazed, um, and so that's, like, really cool if he's rooted. Um, Black Dwarf is, you know, Black Dwarf is another one, right? Black Fury costs four all of a sudden. Um, his move costs three, and then his, um, his what is it, reverse bodyguard costs three again. Like, it's just, it's super good. And, like, but I think... Thanos often wants to use, like, three or four powers a turn. <laughs> like, I find the, some of the most effective uses for Thanos ends up being, like cosmic portaling multiple times and mind stoning and when he's got root like his math is just awful and it can screw up death's decree like Groot is potentially I think one of the best characters to throw at Thanos maybe in the game mm-hmm. Loki's probably reasonably up there but I think it's easier to get get Loki out of range like you can't move can't move Groot away and not and just no longer be rooted. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's I I I would really advise people to like not sleep on Groot and keep playing him. Um, I think the biggest mistake I was playing was keeping Rocket and Groot too close together. I think that defensive ability is really only for maybe turn one or two, and then from then on, like they split up. They they don't want to be together when they you can get like. You don't want Thor to come in and throw one of them into the <laughs> other, right? Yeah. Like, Rocket does not want to have Groot thrown at him. Yeah. But I do, I agree with you. I usually, like, turn one, they'll, like, move up and be a unit. And then maybe they'll stay as a unit the beginning of turn two. But then they're kind of their own characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say Groot is one of the most fun characters to play field dressing on. <laughs> oh, because he'll have like seven or eight power, yeah. and then he'll heal himself back to full for four. Yep. <laughs> and then he can still root someone. Yeah. And depending on like if he's at eight, like you 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 can end up in these situations where you're like, well, he'll heal himself for two, so he'll have three damage off of him, and still then be able to uh like do his like throw and stagger and. It's just, he's a character that when he gets field dressing, it's, field dressing feels real good on Groot. Real, real good. It's, like, it's almost a like really you good undo one. the turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would almost say you can't daze Groot if field dressing is a possibility. No, I don't think you really should, yeah. It, and again, it's it's why people avoid Groot. Yeah, I just mean if Groot's off to the side like totally by himself and there's no good field dressing, then you're fine. But if you're playing something like Gamma Shelters and he's on the middle and characters are super close to each other, mm-hmm. you can't you can't risk it. No, and and it's like I, I that's why I think people need to play Groot and like see your opponents struggling with these choices because the worst case scenario is your opponent just doesn't go near Groot and you get to control one point with him 
and kind of threaten. And I, I think it's okay. You don't want that, obviously. I, he's just so good. I love him so much. And yeah, when he's rooting, when you've rooted two characters, like that's enough. It's so good. Yep. Um, so past um, all kind of the big boys, uh, it starts to come into like Rocket and Nebula are kind of my go tos as the, the, you know, both of them are two threat. And so they fill in nicely. And there are situations where I like Rocket's gun. And there are situations where I think Nebula just ends up being super techy. Like, I love if I go for the Ronin play and I'm like moving him aggressively across the board and he's just like over there and picks up an extract and is like, what are you guys going to do about it? And then they like start attacking Ronin or they like drop off a character and like, okay, now this character is going to lay into Ronin next activation. I love having Nebula double move up next to Ronin and then they disarm the character that got dropped off. Oh, I and love it's, it. And it's one of those situations where, like, if it doesn't come up, you just dump disarm for winging it. But she's such a perfect character to, like, go and defend someone else and be like, now I'm here, too. So I'm going to start messing with you next turn and I can be an early activation. But do you really want your first activation to be to attack Nebula when Ronan's got an extract? Like, it just starts messing. It puts people in really awkward spots. And so she has... She originally I wasn't super excited about her, but um, I've started to have more teams that utilize her. No, I think I think Nebula is really, really good. And the downside is you don't want to take her if there's a lot of possible scoring options because you don't want to eliminate you want to score with everybody. Uh, So if you're playing but if you're playing something like. Like she's if if my opponent picks Wakandan herbs, I'm probably going to take Nebula and torpedo her at the herb carrier <laughs> for sure. And uh, like that, that's one situation. But I, I think she's she's really sweet in gamma shelters just because it's predictable where they're going to be. Uh, I think I really I really like her in. Is it spider infected? You can only have one spider infected. So yes, like she's she's another one, and I think spider infected is a good scenario for guardians because you usually have five or six characters in the lists I like to build. Yep. So being able to just have Nebula like knock up one out, and then your opponent like sometimes won't be able to pick them up because they can't have two. I think that's a great one. Yep, I, I agree. I've generally Nebula is often my sixth character. Like if I if I have the team where I've got three guardians and then like two unaffiliated and then I have two threat, mm-hmm. that's usually I will usually reach for Nebula over Rocket because I just like what she does as an early activation. When you've got all those characters, you're ov- you're often going to be forced to have an early activation before you can really impact the crisis or push people off points. And Nebula is just such a value early activation. And if mm-hmm. people are willing to attack her to try to deny you that activation, you're usually kind of at the same time like, yay? Because then, you yeah. know, you're you're you know, Ronin is safe. Like her ability to distract people from the bigger targets um, is, Uh is just really valuable. So, Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. You're like, Oh no, you're attacking Nebula. Oh dear. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, like not attacking her is also rough. Yeah. No. And it, it gets to that point where it's like, you eventually have to spend more than two points on dealing with her. 
And that's yeah. that's a great situation for us to be in, right? I think there's also some interesting potential with her where I'm not a huge fan of no matter the cost or at all cost. I forget the exact name of the card, but she no can go for yeah, no matter the cost, she can go for a turn one uh shock sword assault to <laughs> um to stun someone like right away. Yeah. And that is one of the uses for no matter the cost that I think may be worth using where it's just like, man, getting off a really early stun could be huge. Like, especially if you're going to start laying into that character and then you deny them power. That's that can also be really powerful. So I just want to throw this out there. I really like no matter the cost with Drax. I think using it on Titan Killer to take some damage is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's got possibilities, but those card slots are really valuable, especially in Guardians. So that's where it gets it gets difficult to. Yeah. Would um, you rather have the three damage and a cheaper attack or would you rather have three rolls? But yeah, the only um, the only character that I haven't like really found a good place for is Gamora, sadly, which I love her model, but she's been the only Guardian that I'm just not making lists which is bound to happen right you the same thing you know there's certain couple avengers you just don't play that often you know depending on overall team design but um has gamora been one that you found something that really synced for her where you're like if you have plan x gamora is great for it i think you take gamora if you want to bring a really aggressive guardian list because she 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 hits way above her like pay grade Right. With uh, Deadliest Woman in the Galaxy. And I think it was Jacob did an article about her math. Right. Where he's like, when she rolls six dice, it's basically like eight or nine dice. Yeah. And then like (laughs) it's really good. And I think she is surprisingly dangerous. And I think Gamora to me is my next group. Like I'm I'm struggling to get her on the field, but. When I do, I'm like, oh, no, she's good. She's working out really well. Personally, I have been building lists that take out of affiliation characters. And so for me, I've been trying to keep it down to three or four guardians. And she has not made my list very often. And part of the problem with that is I think some of the other guardians just appeal more to me right now. Which is fair. But let's talk, start talking about some of those unaffiliated characters. So after you got your kind of core team going, what are some of the top unaffiliated characters for you to toss into a Guardians team? Thor. Yes. Thor, 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 Thor. I bring Thor. Um, so, so for me, I really love bringing a list that is mostly threes. And then I'll bring Thor. And the idea is Thor handles the big threats and the rest of the team is there to lay out status effects, score points, and make sure like that I keep the lead. And it's pretty much me saying Thor is going to be knocked out by round three probably, but that'll be okay because I will score so many points and I'll be ahead And Thor will have done so much damage and he will have dazed or knocked out so much in his like few activations that it'll be fine. Yeah, he's such a natural fit for Guardians because he 
he kind of fits their versatile spot with him being a solid damage dealer. He can drop people off because he's a flyer and he's got a throw and he's got ways to hand out key status effects. He kind of just fills the normal guardian plan, which is what do I want to do this turn, right? Like, am I going to try to daze people? Am I going to just going to try to like status affect them? Do I want to go for a, you know, a crisis play and throw people off of it? Like Thor fits mm-hmm. into that really well, where it's just like, what do I need this turn in this activation? And it's just, it, I can see why he was your first pick. Yeah. And, and I'll also say, I feel, I do feel like guardians like characters that can throw um, because we only have Ronin and I mean, we kind of have Groot, but we really only have Drax and Ronin that, that move very yeah. easy, like move enemies easily. So like Thor throwing is a, a very nice bonus. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I will say, I think potentially one of the best spots in the game for the Corvus Proxima combo is probably guardians. Yep. I think a core team, um, in Guardians, then bringing in Corvus and Proxima gives you some huge threat potential. Like, you're going to blow characters up. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. And that's not even to mention, right, one thing with Guardians is they usually don't have priority, but Corvus and Proxima can help them potentially be, give you the advantage to take priority yep. in some situations. And I think that's, like, a really nice thing to consider. I 100% agree. I do also think, I mean, in a lot of ways, we're kind of hitting on just some of the most popular characters in the game. But I think when Guardians needs to split up, say, like, on Infinity Formula, um, I do think there's value in bringing MODOK or Shuri or maybe both, where you can only use Wing It once per, like, once per round. And so being able to like use it on one side, like you could very easily make a team that's um, that runs like Thor and MODOK, right? And you could have mm-hmm. Thor utilizing winging it and then MODOK's got his own reroll mechanics for the other side. So you can kind of like stay strong hitting both, you know, hitting on both sides, that sort of thing. Um mm-hmm. Or having Shuri over there to like support that one side while Winging it is supporting the other side. They they think they split up almost as well as Cabal does, where Winging it can handle things. You know, Winging it and um, just Guardians in general. They they split up into that kind of double barrel strategy very well. Yeah, totally. But all right, is there uh, any other unaffiliated characters that you think like really really have a special place in Guardians? Oh yeah, uh, I really like Venom and Ultron together oh, yeah. as as a so one team that I I built that was just really really versatile was it was Star Lord, Ultron, Venom, Rocket and Groot, and then the Power Stone. So in that list. From by placing Star Lord and Ultron right, any character could be dropped off. Uh, basically, because you could the only character that couldn't be dropped off was Ultron, right? Yeah. But and, and then you have Ultron, Venom, and Groot in that list, and all three of them are tanky. And so basically, the idea is those three are furthest up and then you have star lord and rocket further back shooting 
and, and it just it's a really fun list for scoring points and just being like okay come at me uh and i did take lethal protector and age of ultron <laughs> and i was thinking about trying to do we are Groot just to be like yeah i'm gonna heal too if you come i, I think it, it was a really really fun list it had a lot of um it had a lot of like questions that the opponent needed to answer and it felt like in a lot of the matchups the opponent can only really get rid of one of those characters at a time and i i managed to win most of my games with that team and i've i've been coming back to it a lot actually i think it's really solid you know another variation on that team you could do would be um star lord ronin uh then Rocket, and then still do Ultron and Venom, and then Ultron can drop off Ronin or Venom, (laughs) and you still have Star-Lord can drop off Rocket, so your ability to threaten is pretty huge. Yep. No, that's really good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun things to build there. Alright, well, we're already running a little long, and I want to get to some tactics cards. What do you think are some of, like, I think we've already mentioned drop off a fair amount, right? I think drop off with you have a lead, a character that's going to lead your team. That's a flyer drop off probably going to be a part of your strategy. Yeah. And I don't think we need to spend a ton, ton of time on that. Um, I also like it in them because if you don't get a good drop off play and your characters are moving up and not being close to each other after turn two, if you still have it, dump it for winging it tokens and, move on which a lot of other teams don't have the option to do mm-hmm. but what beyond drop off what are some tactics cards where you felt like they just really sing in uh guardians of the galaxy i okay so with the idea being that i like taking big tanky guys uh yep. escort to safety has been a really good one Ooh, interesting. where a guardian a guardian, you know, holding a point, scoring, and being kind of middle or back, has been able to pull Thor out of danger from, uh, like, I've used it to pull him out of getting Valkyried because a fully powered up Valkyrie came in, and I'm like, nah, we're, we're gonna, oh, you charged over here? No, Thor's, Thor's next to me now. <laughs> um, yeah. I think Escort to Safety is a really nice one because you have a lot of different guardians that might be able to use it to save your big attacker that that it overextended, right? Or is in yeah. threat. Um, I think in that same vein, I think Sacrifice is one that you shouldn't look over, like especially when you have access to Groot and he's got a larger base, so it's easier for him to be close enough. Forcing someone to attack Groot is often not what they want. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Mm, I guess I'll get a bunch of power to then heal myself. Oh, darn. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another option might be sacrifice to like uh just protecting your you know star lords or your nebulas from attacks that they can't survive or don't want to hate don't want yeah when you just need to keep a key play open that sort of thing yeah uh, it can so, also just nicely set you up for a field dressing. Like I think I on that topic, I think field dressing is really good. But when you're just like, oh, this character is getting, you know, I need this character to have enough power to field dressing. Like maybe sacrifice to make sure you don't end up with like two characters at three. You're like, this character has got already got a little bit of power. I want to try to get them loaded up so that they can field dressing someone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, field dressing was definitely my next one. 
Um, uh, another one that I've been wondering about is seeing red. Okay. Because the more characters you take, the more likely they are to get dazed. So would seeing red be like a possibility that you're, you know, oh, Rocket and Groot, oh, you dazed Rocket. Well, guess what? I'm going to get you with Groot now. Um, well, also, it has great synergy with Ronan, right? Where you could end yeah. up where Ronan gets dazed, judges them, then hits them with Cree justice, and then someone else gets to battle or uh, seeing red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think it, it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of like possibilities. And the the problem with seeing red is the range two and the cost three. But yeah. I really do feel like in a lot of situations with guardians, you are clumped around an objective with with two characters, and it's very likely. And kind then if, this, if your opponent's oh. out playing you and like throwing you away and keeping you from it, you just you winging it, right? Like, yeah, it's the kind of weird corner case card that I, I don't think I'd play generally. But with Guardians, I can risk it. Exactly. I also think Battle Lust is interesting if you're playing Rocket a lot because he can get a he can walk up, shoot someone at range five, and he only has to spend one for Battle Lust because he's size one. Yeah, and so he gets one more dice and gets a push. I think, yeah, I mean the push is nice. Um, I Jay and I were talking, and I I didn't realize so many people are are on battle lust right now, and it's made me reconsider it. I wouldn't say I'm on it. I just Rocket makes it when you just want to push out of it. He just does it at a super great budget. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking Hawkeye with Battle Lust, but same deal, yeah. right? You you move and you shoot a, a range five. You're like, haha. Yep. So, um, and I mentioned it earlier, but I think disarm is well worth considering when you have so many characters and you're running like a high volume team. It's really easy to end up having two characters that can spend one to disarm someone, which in a lot of other cases that would be that would be harder to pull off. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I I agree. Uh, well, I mean, if you're considering disarm, do you think we should talk about the the similar cards? Trip like, up. Yeah, I mean, I think rip up, and then what's the other one? Sucker's harder to use because it requires it to be on an injured character. Oh no, trip up. Yeah, but it's trip, trip up. up, trip up. All you have to do, you do have to damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say Shuri is one of my favorite characters to have play that card. Yeah. Um, because she's got so many dice. But when you have someone going in and you're expecting to daze someone, but you have another attack and you 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 know that they're going to have rerolls, you could end up in a cool spot where you're like, um, you know, you could set Thor up to like four Asgard into someone, you know, stagger one character and then trip up the other. Like you can there's some cool things you can do, like and the fact that you don't have to play it, you can always dump it, but make people play around it is really cool. Yeah, I like I like stuff like that where your opponent's like, oh, oh, <laughs> for sure. Man, I'm I'm excited to get more games with with Guardians, and I know that we're uh, we're gonna have Thanos really soon, and then I'm gonna want to play even more Thanos. But I am super excited to put a lot of um, a lot of Drax and Ronan on the table. Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's worth it to try sh- and execute if you want to take Ebony Maul or the husband and wife. Like I, I was just I just want to throw those out there. 
because I think they work well. I will say the only thing I dislike about that is I think I prefer um, Marked for Death because it's um, I like that Marked for Death is so cheap and mm-hmm. denying defensive rerolls um, and it being more versatile to use with other characters. Not quite as strong as Execute, but um, I still think it's I think Marked for Death is going to see a lot of play in general. I think Marked for Death is really good against uh, Wakandan herbs. Like, but yeah, okay. It's particularly good against anyone who has Shuri and is expecting to have defensive rerolls. Yeah, that's a good point. But, um, but yeah, in general, I think there's there's no shortage of great card options for you to take in Guardians because you never have to use it. So I really hope that we see more people experimenting in Guardians and getting to take some of those cards that can really turn around a game mm-hmm. that you don't normally take because they're they're not dependable enough. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's the beauty of the faction or the affiliation is that you can play, you can, you can bring cards you might not. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be fun as hell for sure. But I think it's going to provide some really interesting tactical options that force your opponent into going, well, shit, I've got to I've got to play around this. But even if I play around it, it's still useful for them. So you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. Yeah. All right, man. Well, any final thoughts you have on Guardians for the listeners? I'm excited to to get more games in with uh guardians i feel like my my local players have kind of already moved past it so i'm just like no i'm gonna be playing guardians for a while y'all yeah at least until i have defenders or web warriors for sure it's they're definitely gonna be huge so all right man well uh we're gonna record a quick bonus episode for the listeners we've got some specific guardians teams that we're just gonna kind of dojo and talk about so if you're a patreon subscriber you can check that out here shortly um but If you're not, totally understand. Everyone's in a different place. We're dealing with a massive crisis at the moment. But do I keep that that bonus content flowing? And Greg, I'm really glad you were able to hop on and help me tackle Guardians. And I, you know, I know I had to pay Jay a lot to, like, steal you for this episode. But uh, it's worth it. Wait, we're getting paid for this? No. Well, Jay's (laughs) getting paid for it. Damn it. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) Uh, But again, seriously, man, I I appreciate you coming on and helping me tackle this episode. I know you're a huge Guardians fan. I am. It's been really fun. I know I've said it a bunch of times, but I was really happy that you got me to read the Star, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Annihilation comics. It's so much fun, right? It made me so much more excited to play Ronan. Yeah. And he's so good. Once once we get like uh, some of the new cosmic stuff Marvel's been doing is so much more fun than that. I can't wait until like we have a reason to do those. But uh, the cosmic stuff is just like the craziness gets unchained. It's really. (laughs) Well, uh, I guess one more question before we close out the episode, since I have read um, Guardians Annihilation and I read Star-Lord Annihilation, if I wanted to read something else that was like Guardians Ronin themed, what mm. would you say is the next one I should check out? Um, you know what? War of Kings is War really Kings. cool. Yeah, it's a All it's right. a cosmic it's it's cosmic like empires clashing and Ronin is at the head of the like the Kree. He's not a main character, but he is definitely like 
important and he's there and it's war of kings was really fun okay cool i appreciate it man yeah all right well let's get on to our patreon episode um greg thank you for recording this with me it is always a pleasure yeah it's been really fun and listeners go out there rock your plucky attitude because man guardians are op (laughs) 